Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. Past the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations, you are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me... He is my co-pilot. He is... He's here. If you say Chewbacca, I'm just going to just quit right now. It's not going to be okay. So, so you're, you're going to like this story. <laughs> so, I had a student, and... Oh, guys, that's Drew, by the way. Oh, hey, it's, hey, it's me. Hey, it's Drew. I think they knew that already. I, uh... I, <laughs> I had a student who... Um, we were kind of joking or whatever, and I was like, you're just jealous because I have a beard and you can't grow one yet. And he said, oh, oh you look like Chewbacca. And I said, you look like next year's fifth grade student. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I was so proud, of, proud myself. of myself. I really uh, was. <laughs> nice job breaking down good. a nine-year-old self-esteem, I think. <laughs> you know what? I do what I can. All right. Wow. I live to Did serve. Did you take his lunch money after that? <laughs> <laughs> no, his mom forgot to pack a pudding pack. Hey, Lindsay, how are you doing? Hey, Drew, I'm great. Thank you for asking, you kind, oh. wonderful soul. Okay, oh, so your tiny little heart. <laughs> I hadn't got to that part of the intro yet. Guys, I'm rusty, okay? Give me, give me some slack. Ladies and gentlemen, she is cooler than Darth Maul with spider legs staring down the whole First Order with nothing but a laser sword. It's Lindsay. Oh, shucks. Thank you, Brandon, for trying to live up to Drew, but Drew, you know you won this one. I mean, oh, yes. my whole life is pretty much trying to live up to Drew. I just... Oh, no, none of us believe it. Let's be clear. Okay. <laughs> Drew's like, I would never pick on a nine-year-old. You're doing a really bad job. <laughs> At least wait till they're like 11 or something, then crush their dreams. No, because once they're 11, they're taller than me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's a, that, that is a problem. Yeah, see, that's the, that's the situation I'm in. Oh, boy. Guys, it's been a while since it's been the three of us, hasn't it? Yeah, it's Damn, been a while. It has been. Oh, great. you guys. I'm like, I'm very excited. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed the slew of interviews uh, that we had over the past couple weeks and and... It was kind of nice to take a little little break. Uh, had shows, you know, run down. Take a little break from the microphone, but man, it feels good to be back. Yeah, it was a lot of fun we had over those, those couple of weeks. A lot of good stuff too, and more to come soon. Stay yes. tuned. Uh, I feel like I do that on every episode. It's just like, stay tuned. There's more coming. <laughs> I'm not going to fulfill that promise yet, but it's coming. You always end up fulfilling it though, and it's always worth the wait. See, that's the way you build my self-esteem back up. I appreciate that, Lindsay. <laughs> Guys, uh, l l let's start with let's start with Lindsay this time. Lindsay, what have you been Star Warsing since we talked uh, three or four years so, ago? Right, that's what it feels like. So, one of the reasons I did miss a week was because I went to a little place called Batu. So I was never heard of just, it. Just 
starting to come down from my Star Wars. Not that you can ever really come down from a Star Wars high, but coming down from that specific one. When, oddly enough, today at work, as I was leaving, this newer kid pulls me aside and goes, Hey, that's an awesome backpack. Is that supposed to be Han Solo's jacket in Empire Strikes Back? I was like, yes, it was. So we got to talking. And he goes, yeah, you know, it's funny. When I was in college, this kid owed me like 20 or 50 bucks or something. And he goes, look, I can't give it to you now, but I know you like Star Wars. And he had 12 in the original packaging Kenner action figures that have been sitting in his mom's house since 1980. Um, was it? Yeah. So he was like, so I've just been holding on to this for a few years. He goes, I don't use it. I don't do anything with them. He's like, do you want them if I bring them in? I was like, oh, oh. I was like, John, I have to give you like money or something. You can't just give that to me. You don't realize what that is. He goes, no, trust me. I realize what it is. He's like, but my wife keeps yelling at me for them. I was like, John, you have to let me give you money for it. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'll bring them in next week. You can see what you like, see if you want anything, and we'll go from there. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Did he tell you which ones uh, that he had by any chance? No, he didn't even know. He doesn't know? So, he wait does. a minute, let me get this straight. He was able to pick out a backpack built in the style of a jacket of, from a movie almost 40 years ago, but he can't tell you the action figures he has at his house this very moment. He doesn't even know if they are at his house or still at his mom's oh, house because geez. his wife might have made. I was like, John, we need to, <laughs> we need to have a serious talk. Yeah. <laughs> you guys need an intervention on that one. Yeah. But yeah, let me let me reap the rewards of this first, and then we'll yeah. plan it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. I like. Yeah. That. So I guess to answer your question, what I have been Star Warsing is just incredible merchandise that I never thought I would get my hands on. Apropos for what we're talking about today. Right? Right? Save it. Oh, yeah. So, Drew, what about what about you? What are you Star Warsing right now? Well, I finished reading um the Inferno Squadron book. <gasps> um oh, about the Battlefront 2 book. Tell me how much yes. you loved it. Wasn't it the best thing you've ever read in your whole life? Uh, yes. Okay, continue. Uh, how about how about oh, I can't even say it's the best thing I've read in the past month or two. Um it was good. It was it was not bad at all. Um, I liked large swaths of it. I thought it was it was a very good addition to the canon. There's a couple things I'm not quite sure I understand, like the whole mechanized beings that could communicate telepathically. I'm not convinced I know what that part portion of the story was for. Um, but overall, I really liked the way that they integrated it with the partisans and all. That. But I was really surprised with like where it took place in the timeline. That it was right after A New Hope. I, I didn't know that. I thought the whole point of the movie and stuff was after uh, Return of the Jedi. Did I miss something? Like, what have I... For, what, for Battlefront? Yeah, I thought it was all post-Return of the Jedi. The game so the is. the book is kind of like a prequel to the game. So in the game, we see them as a more fully developed unit and people in the Empire kind of know who they are and they're really like the special forces. Okay. But the book was set up as this is who these people are. This is why they're important to each other. 
and here's how they really got their start. So the book is almost like the origin story. So there's really no connection to the other book, the Battlefront Twilight Company that came out 117 None. years ago. What the heck? None. It is this is what I don't understand. <laughs> that's why I don't even call it Battlefront 2. I just call it Inferno Squad at this point because Well, see that's like it, it was this book did not need a video game with which to associate itself in order to stand on its own mm-hmm. two feet. Like I don't quite know why they decided to do that like i felt like it was a very compelling story and if anything that should have been the game and i don't know what else you could have done but it it, it seemed very strange kind of a tie-in to the game and, and i haven't played it honestly and and, and ha- expect no opportunity with which to do so so i'm probably just gonna have to go through a a let's play on youtube or something to catch up on the storyline because i liked all the characters uh, mostly uh, i thought they were a lot of fun to hang out with um, is there any particular character you didn't like? Um, I wasn't sold on all of the guys in the partisan group. Um, I felt like they had a lot of archetypes that they were just trying to fill in. Like, oh, we have to have a bruiser, and we have to have a mystic, and we have to have the tight-knit family, and we have to have... like I felt like there was a checklist, and, and rather than coming up with a team that felt more organic, um, it felt like that group was more developed for the story. Now, that is, as opposed to the, the four characters that made up Inferno Squadron itself, felt like they actually were pieces of the Imperial Army that had come together without any real kind of connection except some of the obvious relationship connections, which is fine. But it didn't feel like they were trying to fill in you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if either of you guys have spent a lot of time playing Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. But when you first start creating characters, everybody asks, okay, who's the healer? Who's the tank? Who's the mage? Who's the rogue? And everybody knows that there's a role that needs to be played. And, and most of the times people just divvy up um, those roles because you don't want a party full of fighters because then you have no healers. And when you build a team like that in order to fill those roles, it feels very meta almost it's it's less organic if it occurs within the story itself and feels more like it was orchestrated so that you had a book to to write but the characters for inferno squadron didn't feel like that it felt much more natural like i could see this kind of a thing being put together by the devious overlord um i i can't remember his rank but uh, versio's father who is probably my favorite character who's the most interesting character in the whole book to me um after i versio of course you know, she was really interesting, and I can see why she has so much following in the communities, and, and people love her character. And she was great, and I, she's very interesting, and I'd love to see what happens next to her. Absolutely. Um, you definitely the, should. I mean, you're going to have late nights coming up here pretty soon. You should definitely at least check out the cutscenes. <laughs> real good point. Of, real good point. <laughs> because because the, it, it goes with why, she, uh, why Aiden turns... Um, and joins the rebellion or the new republic. Um, Wait, I don't think he knew that. No, I did. I, I remember oh, okay. when the okay. when the game first came out. I remember it being very interesting because it was, was one of the first stories of the new canon that was supposed to be told exclusively from the imperial side uh, of the war, kind of like the Tie Fighter game for the computer and and several other instances back in the day. 
And when the the reveal occurred or kind of the story got spoiled that she ends up truly joining in the rebellion, it felt very hollow for a lot of people because like we're, we're a little bit tired of that story and really kind of wanted to dig in and, and understand it from the Imperial side of things. But when you read Inferno Squad, then spoilers for those who haven't yet, you probably just want to jump ahead a couple of minutes. Um, I mean, I have to be the last person to read this book. So if you haven't read it yet, you're never going to read it. Um, the whole point of the book is she feigns this defection anyway. Mm-hmm. So that felt really like repetitive of the story that takes place in the game. Now, obviously, I don't know the mechanics of how that happens within the context of the games. But you're talking about the same virtual shift at it's such a kind of a monumental level but i don't know if between the book and the game there is some kind of re-ingratiation period she has with the empire because her defection was very public um and she was made out to be this public figure uh and this 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 traitor at the highest of levels and i don't understand and again not knowing what happens in battlefront 2 i'd like to solve this kind of a problem how she rejoins the Empire, do they give her the same kind of accolades for rejoining? Is it revealed that it was a ploy? Is that double agent nature used in the game at all? I feel like the book sets up for a lot of good intrigue that I, I just have this terrible sinking feeling the game does not capitalize on to its fullest. But again, we'll find out. You know, there's such a time jump between the book and the game. I don't think those exact questions are going to be answered for you but i will say in the game her defect her real defection it feels very earned so you really do feel the struggle you feel that she is reluctant to make this decision but you understand her thought process as to why. Okay. So this one, you, you don't get the what it was like for her to be reintegrated, what it was like for her to earn people's trust back. That you don't see just because of the time jump, but it really does feel like its own separate story, and she does deserve this arc. That's interesting, because in-universe, you're talking about less than four years worth of time and while certainly a lot can happen in four years it's kind of an odd i just wish i knew how that was handled between and maybe i can kind of pick it up and i'm sure somebody's written some six thousand word article about what happens in between those two time periods so i'll have to track that stuff down because it is interesting enough where i would like to know what happens next kind of like alphabet squadron i thought it was good enough to i want to know what happens next so that's a good you know i think that the books and things have really kind of um, picked up in their respectability and their importance and you know, kind of the required reading has gotten a lot more impressive over the past two years rather as opposed to the first few entries were not my favorite things ever printed. Well, and, and also with Iden's turn later, it, it kind of what we get in, in the novel is kind of the seeds being planted and then we kind of see the last straw um, in the game that that causes her to turn where she I don't want to spoil it, but she just basically <laughs> she she it's what it's a moment where she finally realizes that she's been lying to herself for for such a long time. Um, and she comes to this realization um, in a very personal way um, that she can no longer uh, just sit there. But. We've seen a lot of, uh, we saw it in Lost Stars with uh, Nash Windrider. We've seen it um, in, in Battlefront. 
just the the imperial side not really being able to the 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 grunt workers really the the regular everyday imperials not being able to really fathom that the death star actually blew up an entire planet um right. and then that was not a good thing you know nash windrider from lost stars is from alderaan and we kind of see him spiral downward as he he tries to wrap his head around this thing that he believes in that also killed everybody that he ever cared about and it's just kind of an interesting dynamic of of you know like you were talking about with with both sides of the we've seen the side of the rebellion we know why the rebellion is fighting we know why they're doing what they're doing but it is interesting to to see the imperials and why they do what they do and one thing i like about aiden um is she she doesn't go to the rebellion looking for redemption like a lot of people. She just realizes that her morals that she already has are just being used in the wrong way and just goes and uses them in the right way, which mm-hmm. I think is is very different from the the kind of redemption arcs that we get where you know even Han Solo, you know, though he's still a little braggadocious, he's not so self-centered once he's he's kind of unfrozen from carbonite and, and quote unquote redeemed or whatever, you know, and becomes a full general for the rebellion. Um, Aiden's isn't exactly the same way. So it's at least a different, different style of story. Um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I, and I hope that, uh, I, I hope it's good. I want it to be good. It is. It's worth time. So, you know, so I, uh, speaking of books, uh, just finished Spark of Resistance. Spark of the Redi- Spark of the Resistance. Um, I can I can do the English, mm. uh, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, Justina Ireland's newest book uh, about Ray Poe and, of course, Rose. Um, it was a good read. We're gonna do an episode on uh, Don't Burn the Sacred Text on that. That'll be out soon. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a really fun read. Um, actually got some Rose content, which is a shocker with everything that's been happening um, with the, the products lately. Um, other than that, uh, the stuff that's exciting me, I can't really talk about yet. So you guys know what it is. <laughs> but yeah, just been catching up on uh, on some podcasts. Shout out to uh, Unmistakably Star Wars. Congratulations on 200 episodes. What the Force. Congratulations on 100 episodes. And Sith Talk, congratulations on just being awesome because you guys give us a shout out on every show. So I feel like we can return the favor. Um, So make sure you go check out all of those shows. But guys, we have another very important friend that we have to talk about. Oh. Happy beats here, buddy. Come on. I'm with the droid on this one. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy beats here, buddy. Come on. Happy beats. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy beats here, buddy. Come on. Happy beats. I'm with the droid on this one, buddy. Come on. Okay. So we're talking happy beeps. We're talking Force Friday. We're talking all things collecting today. So Bill uh, over from Happy Beeps. He's been hard at work upgrading uh, the site and giving it some new functionality uh, and new ways to um, to kind of play around on there. So make sure you go and check that out because it's some cool, cool new stuff. Um, but he he is always kind and takes the time to put together a little 
chart of the day for us. Uh, he calls it chart of the day, but he always ends up doing like three, four. This time, I think, uh, let's see, we've got six. Um, oh, so no. he is oh, a, boy. he is an overachiever, absolute overachiever. So uh, thank you for that, Bill. Um, we are going to be talking, um, collecting in the second half of the show. But for now, we're going to be talking some action figures in particular. And we've got the the action figures lined up by different eras here. And what Bill's done, and of course, th- these graphs for, for you fellow nerds will be in the show notes. You can just click the link uh, and follow it right to there and then create your uh, Happy Beeps account. Um, but he's kind of broken it up into the different eras, uh, 1977 to 85, which would be the original trilogy, the special edition, 95 to 99, the prequels, 99 to 2007, Clone Wars, and kind of slow era, 2008 to 2014, and then 2014 to, to now, which, of course, is the Disney era. Going all the way back to 1977, Drew, I'm going to throw this one to you. All right, hit me. Okay. Which figure, which action figure do you think had the most, and this is this is styles, not... not uh, total sales so which which character do you think had the most releases okay so this is between 77 and 85 yes this would be the the ot era plus a little extra on the end there Mm, which allows for things like the ewok cartoon series i guess uh yeah Mm, let's see my initial reaction is to go with luke because that seems to be the most logical I'm trying to think of a reason that would not be true. And nothing comes to mind. So I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Skywalker himself. Absolutely. It is Luke Skywalker. Nice. Oh, I like being right on the first try. <laughs> <laughs> Here's I get so scared sometimes. And I'm like, oh, God, please be right. Of this game I've done with... it right on the first try one time. <laughs> well, Lindsay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance to get it right on the first try once again. Han Solo is number two. Okay. Oh, interesting. What's, really? Yes. Han Solo is number two in, in that original trilogy era. What's the difference between how many Luke Skywalker oh, figures no, and how many <laughs> Han Solo figures? Oh, Drew, come gets on. Lance, Drew gets Luke Skywalker, and I have to break out my ab- abacus to figure this one out. <laughs> Can can you give us um, at least a starting number? Like w- either give us either Luke's or Han's number. Or you know, is it single digit or double digit? <laughs> it is a single digit difference. Oh, what? Luke is at twenty eight. All right, I'm gonna go with six. A six figure difference. You would be incorrect. Oh, don't you look uh, build it up like that and just crush your dreams. No, it is only two. <laughs> like I'm nine years old. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is a callback. Nice. And oh, that, boy. ladies and gentlemen, is how I get lunch every day. Anyways. Two. This they- took a turn I was not <laughs> <laughs> Why am I? Okay, boys, girls, sit down. <laughs> Let me broker a piece between the two of you. Okay, we're good. Let's move on. Goodness. All right, what's the right answer, though? The right answer is two. six. The right two. answer is two. All right. Luke Skywalker had 28, Han Solo had 26, and Princess Leia only had 17. Wow. 
Wow. That's not so bad. Was she That's the third? Was she the third? She's highest? the third, yeah. Now, here's the interesting We're, thing here is R2 had 15. Vader only had 12. See, Vader was going to be my number two guess. I would have thought, thought Vader would have been... Yeah, I would have thought they would have had as many different versions of that as possible, but I guess not. No. See, here's here's why I'm not surprised with Vader, because, Luke, you can do, if we're going spanning the original trilogy, there's how many different outfits and different planets or the training sequences. Same with Han and Leia, but, you know, you can't really dress up Darth Vader and <laughs> turn him into, like, Dr. Vader, school teacher <laughs> Vader. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is just the Darth himself. Tea, tea time Vader. He's just got a little bonnet on. <laughs> All right, let's go to the special edition era. And this man. is when things got weird in history. <laughs> well, so we're going to stick with the difference thing because this is interesting. Okay? Okay. Luke Skywalker still number 1 has 54. Okay? Han Solo right. is still number two. He has X number of toys. What do you think oh, the difference man. is now? Drew, this one's yours. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Did you know there was a there was a Han Solo toy where he came with a jetpack? It was a massive thing. It's ridiculous. That they sounds fantastic. All kinds of weird iterations on these characters. Um, I'm gonna say it's a larger drop than it was. Well, much larger, because it was only two for the first one, right? Right. I'm going to say it's closer to 10. You I are, think the drop is bigger. You are correct that the drop is bigger. All right, and let's just leave it at that. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how you got to do it, Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay, do you want to venture a number? Just reject the premise of his question. Uh, <laughs> now I'm being asked if I even want to answer. How much of a coward am I going to be like if I say No. <laughs> Why don't you ask Brandon a question this time? Yeah, next time I get the charts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what's funny is I actually do get the charts and I make sure I never look at them before the show. Wait, I'm how, just gonna what, are they on the time. website? No, Bill sends them to us. <laughs> we, have a, we have a group look chat. look at me being an honest person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still wrong. You get the charts and you still get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh, man. All right. So I'll go with somewhere between two and 56. And it's not 10. I'll go with 12. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. No. Yes. Well done. Oh, man. Thanks for kicking it over to me there, Drewski. (laughs) You are welcome. You did it. You did it. You. So Luke Skywalker is at 54. Han Solo is at 42. Princess Leia is at 27. Pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Drew, like you said, every there were every iteration of everything and all kinds of weird combinations because pretty so much strange. everybody had an increase from the, the first eight years into the special edition era. Um, Luke, of course, went from 28 to 54, but even uh, Sand Troopers went from 7 to 9. Sure. Um, sure. Interestingly, R2 went down uh, quite significantly from 15 to uh, 11. So maybe people were already had their, their R2s. Well, 
And I feel like that kind of goes to Lindsay's original point about Vader. It's just kind of like how many different versions, you know, you get the one with the telescope eye lens and you get one with the flamethrowers and one with the, you know, cell phone link or whatever. So it's how many different R2-D2s does one person really need? Yeah. Does does it have stats on like the non-movie characters? Because that's when they started coming out with like Shadows of the Empire got a run of toys. And I think the Dark Empire comic series started getting toys. No, it's See, it's not on on here. Just I mean, because of the the limited space. So the Dash Rendars or uh, no, there is Prince a bo- there's Boba Fett. Oh, I had Prince Shizor. I and I didn't I didn't know about Shadows of the Empire because I just was an idiot. Um, and <laughs> well, so were probably like seven when it came out too. So that's I not a little credit. That's not an excuse. Were, yeah. Fake fan. Yeah. Um, but I had no idea who he was, so I just made up all these random kinds of things of her who he was. I don't even remember. And then I read Shadows of the Empire, and I was like partially happy to finally know who this guy was, but also kind of disappointed because then I couldn't pretend he was anybody else anymore. <laughs> all my dreams. But yeah, you, mean you didn't want you didn't want to recreate the scene where he's trying to seduce Leia with his pheromone attack. Oh my god! Like that book is crazy. It's. There's so much. There's so much. I wonder how poorly that book holds up. I haven't read that thing in, in a long time. Okay. I wonder if it like is terrible. Now. Here here's the thing. Here's the thing. I read it probably two years ago because I remember really liking it when I was a kid. Yeah. Everything except for that whole Shizor Leia interaction that I remember. And if I'm forgetting something, you know, you can at me or whatever. It was okay. It was a it was a fun it read. Still held up okay. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything mind blowing, but the it made sense, you know, uh, for for where the characters would go. Uh, you know, Luke struggling with his training, uh, Leia and Chewie, you know, working to rescue Han. Uh, it, it it felt very much like an EU book. Like, oh, here's what you saw on screen, yeah. but here's everything that's off to the side. Um, which is very EU during that time period. But, I mean, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. You should reread The Courtship of Princess Leia and tell us how that holds up. Oh, wow. I've never read it, so... <gasps> I, and I'm kind of avoiding it like the plague. <laughs> you should... You need to read it and live tweet it. Oh, maybe I will. Maybe that I will. That would be great. Yeah. I'm going to need something to do over Christmas. It's not like there's anything happening in December. That's it. <laughs> All right. So let's go to the prequels because I find this okay. fascinating. I'm just going to give you this one. Far and above the number one is Anakin slash Vader. 139 different versions. Insane. What? Insane. Oh, okay. Over all three prequel movies. Yes, right, right. yeah, yes. So I don't know why my brain just got stuck on episode one, but we're going to talk about <laughs> that. Mine did too, actually, for some reason. Right? Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about all three prequels. Right. I'm going to give you the the next top few, and you're going to, well, no. no. Hang on, hang on. I think we could figure out probably the top three or four. Okay. Row. All right. Because if, if one is Anakin slash Vader, two is probably going to be Obi-Wan. Close. Uh, Lindsay, who do you think number two is? Yeah, Lindsay, it's got to go to you. I mean, I want to say Padme. Yeah, I'll say Padme. Here's the embarrassing part. Oh, no. Padme's not even on the list. (gasps) No. Is it Yoda? Tell me it's Yoda. 
No, uh, this this is why this is why gone. it was it was interesting. Clone Trooper. Oh, eighty of the clone Whoa, troopers. Wait a minute, clone, no, okay. I, hang on. Probably, <laughs> it's probably counting like the gunner, the pilot. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like yeah. Commander Cody and all the other ones whose names I don't remember. And so then, in fairness, Correct. Drew, the next one is Obi Wan. There's eighty clone troopers. There's seventy nine versions of Obi Wan. Okay, well that's in. Mm, I almost feel like it's a cheat, but I like that. <laughs> Okay, so here's the, the staying power of the original trilogy. Number four after Obi-Wan, still Luke Skywalker with 62. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the, the, the sad part. The bottom of this, this list is Palpatine with 30. Whoa. Which is still quite well, a lot. That says a lot for how many characters that they, or how many toys they were producing during this era. That's true. And he has, like we talked about with Luke from the classic trilogy, he has a lot of different character appearances that mm-hmm. they can take advantage of. But yeah, not, not on the list at all, Princess Leia doesn't make the list. The list for the, you know, the top ones, Anakin, Vader, Clone Trooper, Kenobi, Luke, Han, R2, Yoda, Maul, Chewbacca, and Palpatine. So that's what. And this is just like the top ten. Yeah, it's just like the top ten. So I just want to make sure we make that clear. Like they made some. (laughs) Yeah, but it was was not anywhere uh, near where where they were before. Wow. Yeah. Baffled by that. So, uh, I mean, now that's interesting. Can can we kind of like can you look at that list real quick and compare that to kind of the sequel trilogy numbers where we are at that point? That's where I was going to head next. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Cause I'm interested to see, does the sequel trilogy, do the exclusively sequel trilogy characters still outnumber the classic films? And is it a, a similar like ratio? Like are the top ones for the sequel trilogy going to be, Oh man, is Ray going to Ray going to be number one? Probably not. Well, let's let's no, let's ask like that. A, Who is the? Yeah. All right. Let's find out. Okay. Hold. Let's let's okay. figure out this question. Are we asking which of the sequel trilogy characters is number one, or which character overall out, is number one? Out of the sequel trilogy era. So the Wait, sequel so, trilogy. So are you including Leia and Luke though? Drew? Well, see, that's a question for the data. Because if the top, if it's the top ten toys that were produced during that era, it's not going to inherently break it down between their sequel trilogy right. versus their original trilogy appearances. So, for example, you're going to have Luke show up as his, in the like you know his dashing young man X-wing suit, right. but you also have old man Luke as well. But Ray doesn't get the benefit of being of appearing in two different um, portions of the series. So, are they going to outnumber those characters? But then, if you compare that to the prequel trilogy. If the top three characters of the prequel trilogy era are all prequel trilogy entries and the same kind of statement holds true for the sequel era, that is interesting to me because of how many stories we hear about Disney trying to push the old movies stronger than they've been pushing the new movies from uh, from a merchandise perspective. I see what you're saying. Well, so okay. my point is, take, take, are they, is Lucasfilm pushing it the same about? Take or, into account the, the in-between era, the 2008 to 2014, so, you know, Clone sure. Wars and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, but just, just so we can kind of keep a perspective on how things change, Anakin Vader was still number one, Kenobi was number two, Skywalker number three, Clone Trooper, Han Solo... And so on. Okay, so but not terribly different from the prequel. From era. the prequel era, right? Oh, um, interesting. So, uh, let's let's oh. first ask who is the the number one overall toy 
produced during the Disney era. Lindsay, I'm going to let you have this one first this time. Uh, my gut is actually telling me Kylo Ren. Please, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah? Yeah. All right, let's see. Were we right? Nope, he's not in the top three. Uh, no way. I know, I know. Number one, really concerning. your boy, Luke Skywalker. Mm, 56 okay. Luke Skywalkers, 47 oh Anakin slash Vader, huh. 47 Rey. So Rey is the number one of the wow. exclusively sequel trilogy characters. Kylo Ren comes in at 43 versions. So they're so not I'm shocked far off. actually by no. all of it though. Luke is 56, Anakin and Rey are both 47, and Kylo is 43. Wait, so Anakin and Rey are tied? Yes. Okay. Well, okay. Boy, that's interesting because Anakin and Slash Vader is probably the character that has appeared in the most eras here, like has the most material to work from. The classic trilogy, three films for Vader. You've got all of his changes from the prequel trilogy. He's in every Clone Wars episode. He shows up in Rebels from time to time. So he seems to have the most source material, yet Luke is still the number one. Luke is still the number one, yeah. Boy, that's hard to Even combining Anakin and Vader. Yeah, Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's all counted as one character here. And I but I think part of the difference is Anakin Vader was so mass produced during the prequel era. I mean, you have 139 when the movies were coming out and 112 after that. For Luke, you only had 28 figures originally and 54 after that. So you're looking at roughly 73 for Luke before the prequels. Okay. So, I so mean, you, to put it thinking... into perspective, it, it, it's there's a very real possibility. It's just a matter of, well, Vader, Anakin's not going to really sell that well because everybody already has every version of him and and i feel like nowadays the toy collecting is or the toy purchases is very much a collector's game which we'll get into but to kind of to kind of close out (laughs) that was a great little giggle (laughs) well and it'll also be interesting because i did hear um on another show on uh i think it was on friends of the force that lucasfilm said they're holding back a lot of the Rise of Skywalker merchandise because of spoilers. So it'll be really? interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll have to uh, talk with Bill after um, and get a comparison between Good like point. what we had before and what we have after because if they're holding back stuff, there could be all kinds of crazy releases coming yeah. out for, for different toys. Se- a second wave coming in like six months or so yeah. that just has all the crazy stuff, you know, Jedi Master, you know, Poe Dameron and all that kind of weird. Nonsense. Well, and, <laughs> and uh, I mean, if you think the, yeah. the yes, novelization... I saw the t-shirt and I think it's dumb, but whatever. The novelization is coming out um, in March, so I figure sometime around there we should have some more stuff. That sounds reasonable. So, okay. So... Last chart for this time. This is all time 1978 to 2020. Um, so the end, of, well, to where we are now, to the present. Um, we're going to keep this one pretty, pretty short. Which year between 1978 and 2000, and we'll just say 2019 because 2020, um, he's got four toys on there that have been announced, but we haven't got those yet. So <laughs> That have been announced? What, what year do you think had the most toy production. 
And take into account yeah, what we've oh, talked about so far already today. Yeah. I'm going to stake a claim on 1999. Okay. So the year of Phantom Menace, Lindsay? Yeah. I'm going to go with 2015. Oh, you were oh. so close. Uh, 2016. 16. 2016. So right... Uh, when did Force Awakens come out? Force Awakens came out in 2016. 2016? Yeah. 2015. 2015. What year is it now? I don't even know. Who? What is? What are we doing right now? Is this, What is this podcasting thing? Guys, I got to go to bed. It's We're late. We're making this up as we go. Um, so 2016 had fif, uh, 581. I was about to say 5081. That's a very different number. Um, Not the real thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I had 581 uh 2015 had 450 so i think it was a lot of that uh, it, I, i'm wondering if it's but the same know, thing if, it, yeah because if i remember there was a big to do at the time right before force awakens that everyone was claiming it was so sexist of disney not to have any to- uh ray toys when in reality they were just holding back to avoid the big spoiler because no one knew going into that that ray was going to be the jedi yeah so they held back until after the movie so that makes sense why they would have done it in 2016 and you have oh, that's interesting. 130 toy difference so it's pretty significant wow. which is another reason why i want to kind of see What's the Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo look like after uh, episode nine? You know what? I'm actually really surprised that haven't really come up on the list. Hmm. I I personally, and maybe we'll get into this when we uh, go into the meat of the episode a little bit more. But I personally was very surprised by how lackluster this Force Friday felt. And I realized it's because we didn't have the Porgs. I would be really interested to see what all of these lists would be like in 2017 if you took any kind of porgs and porg production out of it. I mean, I'm looking at my porg slash Ahsoka (laughs) shelf right now. It would be pretty significant. Yeah. Now I'm just envisioning like a porg farm. (laughs) Like just all these porgs stuffed in the cages as as they're being, you know fattened up and sold off to Tyson <laughs> Foods. <laughs> my, whatever my whatever the galactic... Pork. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you have, like, the cheap, you know, Harris Teeter brand where you get, like, a dollar ninety nine a pound, but then you've got free-range organic, you know, grass-fed porgs. <laughs> you really are our Chewbacca this week. Dang it! What is, ha- what is happening right now? I missed you guys. <laughs> I Okay, no, we're we're going to break. We're going to break. I, I, I need a minute. <laughs> Gather yourself. Star Wars figures. R2-D2. Chewbacca, Luke, and Princess Leia. They're the Star Wars early bird set of figures. These action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores with this colorful Star Wars picture display stand and certificate to send in to get a set of figures by mail. They'll be sent to you at home between February 1st and June 1st. The Star Wars early bird certificate package. New from Kenner. All right, and we are back, and we're going to be talking some collecting. Uh, collecting, of course, is a very important part of, of Star Wars and, and the fandom. And um, at the time of this recording, Force Friday, Triple Force Friday, was uh, a week ago. Um, it's going to be 
old news uh, on Monday when this drops, if uh, everything else that is supposed to come out today comes out. But collecting is is a staple of the Star Wars fandom, and it's a very important part of how people interact with Star Wars. And, and we wanted to kind of dig into that and, and kind of look at our own journeys and how those have changed over time um, and just some, some memories that we have. Uh, but first, let's let's talk about Triple Force Friday because, I mean, they ran a whole live stream to to show all these new things that were coming out, and I mean, I'm not personally myself. I don't consider myself a collector. I didn't watch any of of that. It's just not my jam. But Lindsay, I know you were were checking that out. Was the yeah. Tell me yeah, about that I, experience, and then and then the the hype that that built up. Did it did Triple Force Friday actually live up to it? All right, I was pretty jazzed about Triple Force Friday because, as I said earlier, I had such an awesome time during Force Friday too. You know, the very first Force Friday, I don't think any of us really understood the hype behind it. We were all curious, but no one was really hyped for it. Whereas Force Friday 2, I personally at least, was excited about it. I had a few lists of things that I knew that I wanted. I couldn't wait to learn a little bit more about some of the characters. They had a digital scavenger hunt. But what I really liked was at my Target, they did a midnight opening. So I got to line up. I lined up at like 11 o'clock and it obviously wasn't anything like being at celebration or being online for the movies, but it was still really nice to get to see some people in my local area who were just as excited as I was. And then of course the doors open at midnight and get to run in and find the Poe Dameron black series helmet or go through all of the different porg things that they had. Whereas this year they, they hyped it up so much in terms of just, Hey, we're going to have stuff out for all three of these new entities that star Wars has and watching the live stream. It was kind of just like, all right, if you're not a Lego person, which I personally am not, there's really nothing there. There was nothing shocking. There was no, oh my God, I have to have this item. The only thing I really remember being a little bit interested, not necessarily excited for, but interested in, was, um, it was my understanding at least, that there would be an Xbox with the Fallen Order bundle. And I couldn't wait to see what it looked like but it's just a regular Xbox. There's no additional skin, no additional paint on it. It's just an Xbox with the game bundle. So this year, I don't know, for Triple Force Friday, I, I really wasn't excited by any particular item. And then, no, at least around me, no store, no Disney store, Target, Hot Topic, nothing did anything for it. And I even called up a few places the day before, and they were all more interested in uh, New York Comic Con items and nothing about Force Friday. It seemed like no one really in retail knew what this was. So I don't know. It just it didn't have the same experience. There weren't really any 
inventive items. It was just, you know, here's Lego, here's the Black Series, here's the Pop Funko, that's it. Yeah, because, see, that's what what I've kind of been hearing across other podcasts and, and Twitter and everything, and... I went to, uh, we went to go visit uh, my in-laws and went to the Walmart over there, which is like a nicer uh, Walmart. And I was like, well, I just want to go over and see, you know, what they have out. Um, And I mean, the Star Wars section was abysmal. Um, I mean, it was in the same section with, you know, the Marvel and I think WWE and, and stuff like that was in there. But it was like three columns of pegs that was it of of stuff um and then they had one little uh display in the electronic section that wasn't even it wasn't even like a four-sided one it was just one of those one-sided ones that they put on a shelf um so it was really underwhelming and then i turn around after i'm looking at that shelf and there's all the frozen two stuff and it i mean they had uh, they, they were handing out frozen two cake okay whoa yeah uh, and and this is like saturday so um, you know, it's not that long after Force Friday, and it wasn't like there was a whole bunch of empty pegs um, around the Star Wars stuff. And, and I've heard there were stores that didn't even have their stuff out when uh, they opened, um, didn't have the new stuff out. The only thing I've really heard of that had any real, I guess, following uh, behind it was the the Mandalorian Black Series. Did you go out and, and do anything for Triple Force Friday or even mm. kind of look at what was happening i watched the live stream when it was happening live and i thought it was pretty cringy um i don't really know what they were trying to trying to do but i don't feel like it was very successful in communicating a whole lot i i liked some of the segments where they were having the actors uh encounter their own toys i think that was that was pretty charming because you kind of get that experience of the few the, the new people who got to see themselves as a toy for the first time was really fun. Um, but, but when you compare that to like when Daisy Ridley was on it, she was like, that looks exactly like the one from last movie. Like she looked very disappointed. Um, unfortunately. And I tended to agree. I was like, this looks a lot like the other stuff. And I just don't know that it's as visually interesting. Um, as, as kind of like the difference between, even if you look at the classic trilogy or even any of the really any the other series, you, you look at how differently the characters evolve from film to film and it's leaps and bounds and they get all kinds of new clothing and they're in new situations and doing cool stuff. And I don't think that really existed in this launch here. You know, Finn probably has the 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 biggest change in a in a outfit appearance. I don't really know how to describe it, but you know, Poe is still a pilot and that's fine. Finn is is got a, a you know a great little toy, but like you said, Brandon, the Mandalorian Black Series was probably the chase figure, because I don't think we had anything like that. You know, sans Boba Fett, um, but just within the context of of this product release, there was nothing that looked like him, uh, well, and that was really really sharp. It was a great looking um, figure. The packaging was really interesting. They made a, a chase variant with kind of the what do they call it? The carbonite something? Carbonized edition? Somebody's got to back me up oh, on that. Done. I, I Let me roll over. Can't. I actually have it. Did you get one? I did. So, yeah, carbonized graphite. There you or go. Or maybe so, graphite's a different language. 
It's, it says carbonized, carbonized graphite, carbon optic graffito graphite. Uh, that would work me for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Woo. All right. All right. We're back on track. Graphite is a word in the English language, but I suppose it could be something else in a different language. You're not wrong. Um, if I, I didn't go out and look for any of these toys. I, none, of, none of the thing that was announced that I knew was coming was anything I had to have that day. Um, none of the characters. I, see, I'm not a guy who's going to go out and buy these characters for for the films that's not yet released. I I can't in my brain um, start paying for money for a character. I don't know if I even like them yet. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people who do, and and that's okay. There's good reasons for that. Like, well, I mean, there's a whole representation crowd, which is very important that these kinds of different characters exist, and you should go support them. But I I have this terrible flashback to if anybody's seen the movie Fanboys from again 2,000 years ago. There's a, char- a throwaway character who, before the Phantom Menace comes out, gets this giant side tattoo of Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah. This is going to be the future of the series. And it's like, well, real sorry about that. But that's kind of the thing that, that scares me is like, you could buy into a lot of these characters and instantly regret it the day the film comes out. Think about all the people who invested in Constable Zuvio before The Force Awakens well, came out. Think about think about Phasma. I mean, I know our yeah, friend exactly. Devin from Unmistakably Star Wars, I mean, he bought like every variant of Phasma that existed. Like his dog is named Phasma. And yeah. See, I can't really get behind that mentality because I mean, and it's been happening for years. Rick O'Leave from The Phantom Menace mm-hmm. was one of the first characters announced, and everyone's like, "This is the new Han Solo character. He's going to be the bad boy," even though he was a slightly balding <laughs> middle forties guy in a row. I robe. actually did a little research of characters like Constable Zuvio, like Rick O'Leave, because I was curious about why they would even make those action figures, if Please. not just. So it turns out that Hasbro really specifically has said this, that Lucasfilm doesn't actually, and this is Lucasfilm, this isn't just Disney nothing, but they don't give them full script treatments or anything like that. They actually write little paragraph blurbs for every single character in the script. And it's up to Hasbro to decide who they think the kind of breakout stars are going to be. So for a character like Constable Zuvio, the blurb was something about, you know, like the sheriff type figure who enforces the law of the backwater planet, Jack, like something that just sounded really cool. So Hasbro was like, yeah, everyone's going to love this guy. And that's why they mass produced it. And then he ends up not even really being a figure. Yeah. He's edited out of the film. Yeah. Yeah. But because that's the way Hasbro gets the information about characters, that's who they pick, who they're uh, who they're uh, putting their bets on. I have a really hard time believing that that kind of business arrangement would exist between any two other entities in a similar relationship. Like, how can a production house like Lucasfilm not be interested in controlling what they go make money off of? Like, I. It, that boggles the mind about how much that they would not be involved in that kind of like how <laughs> can you imagine if if we were trying to promote something like clashing sabers or you know certain endeavors which may or may not be coming up in the future and we say here's some information about what we may or may not be doing pick and choose what you want to promote uh, no that's absolutely not what we would ever want to do and 
I don't know about anybody else on, on this particular conversation, but I don't have a business degree of any kind. So it's just like, where is the thought process? And I'm sure there's a ton that goes into this and contract negotiations. And, and I, I don't want to be reductive to say that there's not a reason why this is the way it is. But man, does that not stick out as problematic to anybody else? No, it does. And I know I've, I've listened to interviews with people who like work for Hasbro or, um, you know, other, other companies like that who, who make Star Wars products and, just the time it takes to to get those figures ready, they have to start producing them before you know the final cut of the film, obviously. But even before, sometimes even before principal production has started on the film, so you're literally working off the script, um, you know, and, and so you don't necessarily know who those characters are that are going to captivate audiences. Um, you know, they you just they do just kind of have to go off of of what they're given from Lucasfilm. Uh, but it does seem a little, you know, cloak and dagger to give this whole great description. It, it, it seems like, you know, Lindsay, what you were presenting would be like what you would put on starwars.com, you know, whereas mm -hmm. what you would send to Hasbro would be something more along the lines of like, when we talked with uh, Delilah Dawson and Coretta Zadova, they got like, blueprints of of black spire and stuff that were watermarked and time stamped and all kinds of security on them right and they didn't know all the details about everything that was there but they could kind of use that to guide you know how they had their characters move and things like that right you would think that hasbro would get you know the same kind of trust where they would get like here's constable zuvio this is our write-up on him he's not super important you know like yeah here's uncar plot he's a b character say, though I feel like since then, Disney's taken more control of it. Because if you think about The Last Jedi, yeah, we had poor production. But hey. we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Sounds like a studio company all its own. It should be. I Yes, um, I support this. What was that? Oh, but we didn't have like, <laughs> here's the background resistance characters being mass produced. And even now... Going into Fallen Order, going into Rise of Skywalker, we have the information months beforehand for the Purge Troopers, for the Sith Troopers. Mm -hmm. And they seem to be really targeting and giving us more information about who these kind of mass-produced people and guards and troopers are going to be. So I do feel like Disney's trying to take a little bit more control of those reins. Well, Maybe. yeah, and the hard part is, I mean, they have to start it so far in advance, you know, like something like the Sith Trooper, you know, is 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 going to capture at least a certain segment of the fandom. It, it ended up captivating the majority of the fandom, I would think. But there are some fans who are very much into, you know, the cool Boba Fett armor, you know, Mandalorian marks and, and all of that. And so you've definitely got a market there, whereas I think of, you know, like Rebels, for example, I mean, that caught on to so many people and, and there's so few Rebels products out there um, because by the time, I feel like by the time they would have, you know, actually been able to get the molds and get them produced and get them out, it was like Rebels is coming to an end. And yeah. so it, it's it's hard to judge without having like a full scale, like this is, you know, from beginning to, to end everything that happens and then 
insert into that, you know, the the creative process and, and the, I mean, think about it, the amount of times Force Awakens story changed. Um, sure. It, it's just, it's just a lot. So I want to take that and I want to, to go into um, kind of our collecting stories, but I want to first delve into, uh, we, we put this out on Twitter and on our Facebook group, Clashing Saber Star Wars Community. And I just wanted to go through some of the comments uh, and, and just kind of see if we notice any trends in anything that uh, we connect with. So over on Twitter first, we had Hollow Chronicles podcast, uh, Josh and Andy, they uh, are into the vintage, the Funko, Black Series, helmets, autographs, and art. Um, our friend Mark, not Mark Marquis, but the a different Mark. I almost said the other Mark, like there's only two Marks in the whole world. Um, <laughs> but I am El Diablito. There we go. That was, yes, that was not how I was supposed to say that, but you get the point. Um, maquettes, minibus, Black Series, figure arts. Uh, and then uh, we have... Uh, Ren Rachel the Trap or the Rap, uh, all Jin Urso figures. Um, nice. So Good yeah, call. we can get behind that. Uh, check out Five Below because I feel like they always have a whole bunch of Jin Urso figures at Five Below. Um, our friend Michelle uh, is into the art, some Disney pins, some Black Series. Um, cool. yeah. uh, some, some Galaxy's Edge lightsabers is what she's looking forward um, to getting. And then, of course, Adriana from Starships. Uh, likes Poe Dameron. No surprise to anybody there. Um, and, and Drew, that goes back to the representation thing that you were talking about. Like, that is a, a major portion of um, some people's Which fandom. Which is legit. Oh, absolutely. Completely fair. And, and, and I would absolutely think that's a great idea. Well, and... I mean, well, let, let me wrap this up first. We have Buddy Caden, yeah, uh, Black I have like Series. 17 things to get through. Yeah. And then, and then uh, uh, Bill Buttle collects uh, lightsabers. He's got a whole, he's got, he's got quite a few uh, lightsabers there. So jump over to our Facebook group and check that out. But no, Drew, going to what you were saying, you know, like there is not, there's not really an invalid way to be a collector. You know, like if you if you are collecting because Rose is the first, you know, person on screen that you've seen that looks like you that you could look up to, even though she might not be everybody's biggest fan, even though she might not be Luke Skywalker. Like if you want to collect all Rose Tico figures, go for it. Rose is awesome. You know, Um, Adriana, of course, has a gigantic Poe Dameron collection because of the Guatemalan connection. So there's not a invalid way to to collect but it does seem like there are certain things that stick with fans a little bit more like the lightsabers like the black series i mean shoot i, I have like was it mark said the minibus the minibus yeah those things are that's really cool those are those are coming in so how how wide is that that series of things like is that i don't know anything about those are we talking there's one of every character are they big are they small are these like well the triple dollar figure things that i'm never gonna pay for Lindsay, correct me if i'm wrong these are like the the gentle giant ones like the ahsoka one that came out right that's that's what i would assume those are the only okay. minibus i know of um and i think hot toys makes some too yeah so we're talking about 220 something so it it depends on which one too. So like Ahsoka sold out in the pre-orders, and the pre-orders were for um, like members only for Ahsoka. 
some of them you can get for like around 80. I think there's like Django and Boba Fett ones you can get for around 80, but those more prized ones like Ahsoka, those go for 200 because they are all hand painted. They are, um, Oh, I was talking to the guy from gentle giant. I don't think they're even like 3d printed, but they're essentially all handcrafted. Mm. So they're beautiful. They're great detail. They really last. They feel nice and heavy when you pick them up, but they're really not that big. So space wise, it makes, yeah, it's, um, I mean like width wise, it's maybe the size of my palm height wise. It's, you know, eight inches maybe. Um, so basically, it's, it's it's like a little bit of an oversized action figure. A little bit bigger than that. Okay. Yeah. I wonder. I might be able to go online and pull up some dimensions, but they're they're beautifully done and space wise, and that's kind of my issue with collecting. Almost, it's it's the space. I would love to say I own every single. Um, I don't even know. Is it Pop Funko or Funko Pop? Funko Pop, I think. Funko Pop. Well, I would love to have yeah. every single one. Okay. It's like, where, where am I Be- going to display that? Before we hold on, about these things. Hold on, Drew. Drew, one sec. Oh. One sec before. No, no, no. I'm going to let you go. But I no, missed we, one comment, we and I want same thing. I want no, no, no. I missed one comment, and I want to give a shout out to to our friend uh, Tony Stupart. Um, has a a great wall of uh, Lego and Black Series and Funko figures. Um, so go check that over on the Facebook group. So now back to Drew and, and the Funkos. Okay. Go for it. What is the attraction to these toys? I don't understand. They're scary looking and strange, and there seem to be a billion of them from a billion different franchise or source materials, and I can't understand any kind of a connection between them. So, Lindsay. All right, I'll take a crack at it. Okay. Because I originally thought the same thing. I was like, these don't even look like anything. What is this? I don't remember what my first one was, but the problem is, and this is, I think, one of the cool differentiators we need to talk about is there's a difference between being a collector and being a completist. So I I would say I collect the Funkos because I I was maybe like an Ahsoka one. And I got my first Ahsoka one, and after that, well, if I have Ahsoka, I need Hera. And after that, <laughs> oh, hey, look at these Ray ones. And it just kind of led one thing to another, where suddenly I realized, oh, my God, I collect these, don't I? <laughs> and, and, and it's not like I need to have every single one. I know people who do that really specifically for Harry Potter, they feel like they have to have every single Harry Potter one that comes out. Whereas me, it's just, you know, if if I really like the character and I like that particular one, I'll buy it. Whereas I am 100% a completist in that I feel like I have to own every single book. Aha. Okay. See, I, I take a similar approach to the Black Series figures that you do with the Funko thingies. Like, mm-hmm. I have maybe seven or eight, and it started when I found that they had a Jaina Solo one from the Legends series. Mm. Um, and I was like, this is a thing that they made, like, post-Disney acquisition of, of the whole saga? And, and that was important to me. So that was the first one that I picked up. 
but I, I can't imagine trying to be a completionist for these things. Like you've got to be a professional collector at that point to try and keep tabs and understand and ac- acquire all these different things. Um, I would honestly think the only person that, if anybody's done it, would have done it is Steve Stan- Steve Sansweet. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I imagine see, I he gets sent, sent it, to him. I don't think it would be that hard for these particularly. I think if you were collecting something like all the Hasbro action figures. Oh, man. That just or, sounds dreadful to me. <laughs> but, well, that's because think of how many there are and how long it's been around. But something like this, it's still relatively new. So you could have easily started doing this in, you know, 2015, 2016 when they probably first started coming out. And after that, it's pretty easy to stay on top of every, mm-hmm. I guess, wave they do, whether it's, you know, eight he, at a time, ten at a time. That's probably easier to do, not necessarily financially, but just without the help of happy beeps, knowing what's coming out and when. That's a whereas good point. You were, yeah. yeah. Whereas going into it now where we would have to go to happy beeps to check it out but there's probably like upwards of 300 of these well that would be much more difficult and i I think the real difficulty with the funkos is they're they've gotten to having so many specialized ones that are only released in certain places Mm -hmm. so if you're if you're talking like just the generally produced ones yeah i think you could do it but if you're talking the hot topics and the game stops and the san diego comic cons and the new york comic cons and the barnes and noble and the target exclusives right on yeah you know you're it if it's a matter of do you have access to all of these places um or can you order these exclusives online because there's some that are in-store only exclusives um, I know for me, you know, I have one of my students counted it the other day. Um, I have 61 Funkos in my classroom. Um, I'm looking at three more uh, right now. So I'm at about 64 or 65. Um, and I was very much, you know, I'm going to collect one of every, you know, character uh, that they release for each of the movies um, until Solo hit. And. I realized I hadn't even completed Rogue One yet. Um, I'm st- I-, I still need... A- well, no, I have Cheer It and Baze now. Um, but I still needed Cheer It and Baze at that point. And then they were coming out with like Dryden's Guards that I just didn't care about and things like that. So now I'm kind of with Lindsay where I collect them, you know, if I really like the character. Um, and <laughs> at this point, if I have the space, because I literally don't have any more space. And um, But it- the books for me are... are- all my my Star Wars money is kind of going into them because I buy the book on Amazon pre-order, so I get it the day of, you know, so we can do Don't Burn the Sacred Text, but then I also buy it again when it comes out in paperback because I like having... I hate reading hardbacks, but I like having the hardbacks as displays, um, Ah. and and I want to have them in nice condition, whereas the paperbacks I'll keep and, you know, read and reread and reread... and then also I kind of can pick and choose there the books that I actually will reread, you know? So I, I, I don't have a, you know, a paperback of the first battlefront because I won't reread that book. <laughs> um, it just wasn't my jam. Um, for the, for the hardcovers. Um, I have a question for you on those. Yeah. Cause I haven't seen the, the, all the hardcovers. Do you take, keep the dust jacket on or do you take the dust jacket off? I keep the dust jacket on. Okay. I underneath. Underneath the dust, the dust jacket. That's a harder phrase to say than I thought. Um, is it 
are all the books the same? Do they have the same kind of black covering no. and gold letters on the binders that they used to have? No, it, it varies. Oh, that's a um, shame. Just off the top of my head, I think Master and Apprentice has kind of a uh, light purple maroonish with a tan spine. Um, it, See, they're they're very close. They they kind of riff off of the color that the dust jacket is. So you know, okay. Last Shot's kind of got that reddish, um, orangish kind of look to it, and I'm pretty sure it's a, a red or orange right underneath there. Um, whereas you know. Like looking at Black Spire uh, right now, I can actually see uh, the the book itself, and it's got like a white um, okay background to it. That's interesting. See, I I have all of the the New Jedi Order series books, and while not all of those entries were ever released in hardback, the ones that they did release in hardback, kind of the the heavy chapter, you know, tentpole kind of entries, all were done in the same binding and and uh, printing. So if you take the dust jacket off of all of them, it's a uniform look of black, black covers with gold oh, lettering. Nice. For the size. Oh, it looks so sharp. I, I, it's one of the, the details I think is kind of lost in some of the newer productions is what happens when you have all of them in a series and kind of the uniformity that they, they bring. I really like it when that kind of stuff happens. Like if you think about like the home video releases for the, the classic uh, mm. or not classic, but for the sequel trilogy here, you know, I have, the the steel book for both force awakens and last jedi but when the the next one comes out oh i can't believe i just forgot the name of what's it stand for what does ross stand for now rise of skywalker <laughs> there you go I'm fake fan I'm sorry i'm i'm tracking on a completely different 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 thought pattern here that steel book is likely only going to be released in the 4k version of the film but I don't have a 4K player, so I have no reason to buy it. So if I buy that, I can't even watch it. Yeah. But if I buy the Blu-ray copy, which is likely the only player I'm going to have at the time, it the packaging is not going to fit. So now I've got two out of three with no opportunity to really c- complete that look. And that kind of crap bothers me. It's like, is it that hard to just... You started here. Can we not continue that for all of... 2015 to 19, four years. Can we not put together a cohesive plan to make these things, you know, kind of contribute some value over the course of four years? Look at what Lord of the Rings was able to do with their extended trilogy, their extended uh, versions. All three of those, when you slap them all next to each other, are the same design. They're the same dimensions. The packaging all matches and everything is the same. And the coloration is different, but it ties to something else specifically. But it's of a set. And that is just missing from a lot of these things. Is that one of the reasons why you like the Black Series? I think so. But even the Black Series started in, I think, 2013, maybe 2012. And there's been four different waves. And this most recent wave is definitely the longest one. And that's the packaging we have now. And I think that's kind of going to be the template going forward and it is very sharp i really Mm -hmm. like the way that it's done i like the production of the figures themselves it's probably the most screen accurate figures you can get at a at a plebeian retail store like a target or a walmart um because i don't think the three and a three quarter inch figures are are any good anymore they were great when i was like 12 and could buy them with my own allowance um and took them out of their packaging and actually played with them, which my kids today do not understand why I keep buying toys and, and never play with them. 
but that is one of the reasons <laughs> I like the Black Series so much is because of the 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 appearance, the the uniformity, and how pristine they all look, and and you feel rewarded when you get the character that you want. I would love if they kept releasing some deep cut figures. Like, wouldn't it be great to have an Iden Versio black figure? Black oh, series. Oh yeah, that's one why I would. That, I would rush that out part for of this Triple Force Friday. Where has that character been? I mean, the Battlefront Two came out a year or so ago, and that character is now probably one of the most popular out of all the new materials. Where is that? You know, there's no Mister Bones, which is probably the only character people liked out of the Aftermath trilogy. There's no Erica Quell. There, there's opportunities here that. That uh, Lucasfilm took advantage of back in the 90s, like we talked about before. They had Shadows of the Empire. They had all the different comic book series, the video game characters. Well, did they have... We got the the medical droid that says Uba for crying out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Drew, did they have, like, the major figures for series, like the New Jedi Order? Was there a Jason and a Jaina and... yeah, there are some of those. I mean, okay. Mara Jade had a couple different entries. I think there were a couple of Yuz and Vong figures. They didn't... I think they had a Darth Cadis. Um Oh, boy, that's a good question. Did they, I'm going to Google that while I'm... See, I'm because I, to, I kind of... I kind of wonder. Would be so sick! I would own that, and I, if they have one, I'm going to order one while I'm talking. <laughs> it's just... I, I wonder now. There's certain times where it feels like the the stuff that's being produced now is being made just to keep the tradition of star wars merchandise going you know because star wars was kind of the one that started it all whereas in the lucas era it felt a little more like it was a part of the story and it was a part of the the experience of being a fan um and i think that that's kind of shifted now because we as fans are all connected more um, and there's different ways to connect with the story that we didn't have before with, you know, yeah. the video games being more interactive. We now have, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, even things like the lightsabers at the level that we have now. I mean, I just got, um, a lightsaber from, from my buddy Caden. It's the, the legacy saber and man, turning that thing on and just standing there with the lightsaber in your hand is a completely different experience than standing there with the toy lightsaber when you were a kid. Yeah, the plastic telescoping ones. Yes, and and mind you, I still have those. I have like four of them in my classroom. Um, uh, okay, let's talk about those for a minute. I have come to a realization. I hate those stupid plastic lightsaber toys. They're the worst thing ever. I like the nice lightsabers, but they're. But I I would I would make a statement that there is no good lightsaber toy that you can play with. None. No, because as a kid, I just remember breaking it all they the time. Always broke. They were impossible to collapse. They never even collapsed all the way into the hilt, so it never looked like a real. Uh, never looked like it did on screen. Yeah, the batteries always died. Well, and now the, the ones they have now version, don't you get the twenty dollars version, and none either of them lasted for like more than a week. The the ones they have now don't even light up. Um, really? Yeah, like the like the seven dollar ones they have now, they go all the way in sometimes, um, but they don't they don't light up. Now you can get some. Yeah, I have we have a couple of those. I forgot about. Yeah, that. so th- so Triple Force Friday they released. Um, I, so far, I've seen Ray and Kylo, um, and I think there's a Luke also, um, but where you can actually make your own sound. So instead of the lightsaber sound, um, 
You can make like a cat sound like we did that in, in Walmart the other day. Brooke made a cat sound. And so when you swing the lightsaber, it was like meow, meow. Wait, wait, so you like re- it records? It records. And you... yes. Oh, no. And then when you swing <laughs> it. the fun of the lightsaber is the noise. That's I know. And then you get, get to. Reason. So anyways, I mean, it, it's getting. I mean, lightsabers are, are obviously a huge thing. Um, they they don't are. Get, don't get me they're they're Don't not great wrong, but like, we have them and we'll and, and our my kids still play with them and they love them and, and have a great time but they break all of oh, the time yeah. which is you know it's it's kind of like that's you're swinging and hitting each other with it well, okay you're supposed to be hitting other lightsabers with it personally not other children but they're not really designed it's tough because I don't feel like they're quite designed for what we all know they're going to be used yeah for. Like they're gonna be used to smack each other around and 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 make crazy little videos on your phone or something like that, but they don't last. They simply don't hack it anymore. And and maybe this is you know the the hindsight being twenty twenty and all. It was great when we were kids and played with them. And and obviously kids are still buying them. We keep buying them for ours. But just looking back at it with old man eyes, it's like God, these things are not quite what they could be. Well, right? let's let's kind of dig into that like. What what did you collect as a as a kid and and kind of how has that changed through your your experience of growing up? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, it goes from spending your parents money to your allowance to your own actual like real salary. Um, and that, you know, that has to feed your family and stuff. So how has your eh. fandom kind of or your, your collecting rather kind of shifted? Lindsay, you want to go first? Yeah, so I just want to put out a disclaimer here so you understand the significance. I am by no means any type of pack rat, and I do not hold on to anything for sentimental value. What? With the exception of all of my Star Wars action figures <laughs> from when I was nine years old. And I did kind of the the mix. I would ask for some for Christmas gift or buy them with my own allowance money. Anytime I did, you know, even like my eighth grade graduation, probably I was still asking for them. So I have a ton, not to mention I have my twin sister who, when we were younger, was also super sister. into this. Sister. So, um, nice. so my, my twin sister at the time would also ask for these. So it was nice because I kind of doubled up that way because we would figure out like, okay, you're going to ask for this one. I'll ask for this one. And this way we could play together. So as a kid, from the time I was nine to you know, 12, 13 years old, it was me and my twin sister collecting these together and taking them out of the box and playing with them the way you would expect two nine-year-olds to do together. And that's how I connected with the story. I, spoiler alert, did not grow out of that, but <laughs> but my twin did, did, so I got all of hers. So now, flash forward, you know, going on 30 years old, these are really the only things that I didn't get rid of from when I was a kid. I still have all of them. And I mean the little accessories, everything. Now my five and three-year-old nephew come over and they play with them the same exact way Cindy and I did. 
So that's really cool to see. Only I personally shifted to, I don't necessarily collect every single action figure now. What I do collect, as I said before, the books. I need every book the day comes out. I need to dive in, not just because we do it on Don't Burn the Sacred Text, but because I love it. I love being part of these stories and putting myself in these stories. And I realize that my my collecting habit is based on that. So I really respect people who do things like collect all of the lightsabers or all the minibus and all these other awesome things that people told us on Twitter and Facebook they collect. But for me personally, from the time I was nine to now being 29, I collect because what, I, what I'm collecting makes me feel like I'm part of the story, whether it's mm. from playing with the action figures with my twin sister or now my nephews to putting myself in my reading chair and just putting myself in the story that way. But I, I would have to say that's why I collect what I do and why I feel as passionately about my collection as I do. So if you have one thing now, your action figures aside, that you would keep for sentimental value, what would it be? I think Brandon just threatened to burn down your entire collection. I didn't that's say burn down. I, I said that's make what, disappear. That's what I heard. I- <laughs> that's what I heard. Um, you know, there are some stuff that I, I keep for memorabilia now, you know, it's, it's not stuff that I would necessarily take if it was, my house was on fire and I had to, I had to grab something. Which now is a concern. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's, there's stuff just from things like you know, Force Friday 2 or my first celebration where it's not necessarily monetary value, but like I have this one, it looks like a carton of milk, but it's obviously blue milk. And that was from my first <laughs> 501st bash, you know, like little little stuff like that That's I hold on funny. to because it doesn't necessarily remind me of Star Wars. It reminds me of the, the people who I enjoy Star Wars with. And that's like a huge, huge part of Star Wars, right? Yeah. So, Drew, what about you? How has your collecting changed? I definitely tried to collect as many of the figures as I could when I was in middle and high school. Um, I tried for a while there to have the largest collection of Micro Machine Jawa action figures possible because I, I, I had no idea why. I just wanted something that I could have like 100 of just kind of plastered all over the room and whatnot. I thought that would be kind of fun. But the biggest thing I worked on collecting was the the card game, the collectible card game that Decipher produced for a number of years. Um, and I've kind of mentioned it here and there through the past number of episodes we've been doing, but that really was what what kind of was my, my way into the story. Kind of like, Lindsay, you were saying the action figures helped you guys kind of get involved and invested in it. Um, the cards really did a wonderful job of filling out the the bizarro details of the universe. We got to learn about who the production companies were, you know, Incom and Coenser and all those different groups and what uh, different models of starships and how many proton torpedoes the next wing T-65 can carry and whatnot. The, the dumb little trivia things that were so interesting to 16-year-old me um, all came from the card game. 
And I really thought that was the most fun way to do it. And I still have a lot of those cards up in the attic somewhere in a box. But I also use them for bookmarks when I'm reading a new Star Wars book. Is I'll try and find a card that matches what I'm, I'm, you know, kind of the theme of the book. So I have light side cards and dark side cards and whatnot. Um, there's no easy way to play the game anymore. Uh, there is a virtual version of the game that people can find. I think it's the Star Wars CCG Players Committee. If you guys Google Players Committee and Star Wars CCG, you'll find it. These are guys who continue the uh, kind of the, continue the, the heart of the game going forward for, since maybe 2001 when Decipher lost the license. These these are so much fun, and, and I might be the only card gamer in, in our little team here anymore, but uh, boy, that's responsible for most of, of, of my obsessive um, encyclopedic knowledge of useless trivia about these kinds of things. That's probably where it all came from. And, and if, if, if Brandon were to threaten my house to burn down, the first thing I would probably grab is my light side deck that I, I have and use as bookmarks to this day. And then probably my Jaina Solo black figure, black series figure. And then maybe the General Grievous one, if I had to put him in top. Top three. There you go. <laughs> How big are your arms that you can I know. No, no, <laughs> run so, in and grab well, them? Uh, you know, I don't want to brag about nothing, but <laughs> you know, I've been working out. <laughs> yeah, these are like imagine like a, a deck of playing cards and then two black series figure boxes. I, I think I can I can move pretty quick to get those. I, I can move quick when my life is in danger. <laughs> <laughs> when your cards are in danger. Well, yeah, exactly. The, kid, the kids can wake themselves up when the, the smoke alarm goes off. The kids have legs. The cards don't. The cards do not. See, Brandon understands. Brandon is going to run in and go save his complete collection of the Episode One Pepsi and Mountain Dew can collection that he's been working on saving up um, over the years. Aren't you? I wish. Those things were great. <laughs> Don't forget the Jar Jar lollipop. Wow. Oh, if, if only we could forget <laughs> the horror that was the Episode One uh memorabilia production disasters because that was the worst there's one there's one thing from that i wish i still had and it was from taco bell it was the you remember the the like rip it things where you you like rip out this plastic strip and it zooms across the table yeah like a beyblade yeah Yeah, like a beyblade there was a darth maul one on his speeder bike and I, I must have gone to Taco Bell so I went to Taco Bell so many times, and I hate Taco Bell, mind you. Like literally, Taco Bell has gotten my order right one time in my life. I hate Taco Bell. It's it's all the same thing. It's just in different packaging and format. So they've never gotten it wrong. They've never gotten it right. Okay. I'm I'm gonna look up and see how much an episode one Pepsi can collection is going for on eBay. But I had that I had that Darth Maul uh and, oh, and I man. loved that thing. Mine was at KFC. Uh it was like Sakamapa robots. Oh yeah. But it was two okay. Gung- it was a Gungan fighting a battle droid. Do you mean Rock'em Sakam robots? I think I do. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure we, we <laughs> We get this nailed down right the first time. See, okay. Lindsay, I'm kind of with you on, like, I was always for the things that helped me experience the story more. Um, and and so for me, y'all know, Return of the Jedi is my jam. Um, and 
I, I had the, you know, talking about the lightsabers we were talking about earlier, I had Luke's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. And it, I didn't have a lot of Star Wars stuff growing up. We just didn't have a lot of money and, and you know, buying frivolous, t- you know, extra toy, extra Luke Skywalkers when I already had a Luke Skywalker, you know, just wasn't on the docket. And so, you know, anytime I got to show, you know, my Star Wars love, I always was super happy. So, one Halloween, I decided to be Luke from Return of the Jedi, and you know I had the whole the whole outfit and everything. And by the whole outfit and everything, I mean I was wearing a black sweatshirt and black sweatpants, um, <laughs> <laughs> because yes, we were the homemade costume family. It was great. Hey, no shame in that. Okay, I, no I did that. No, I was as well. No judgment. Yes, um, but so. We, we were going, we would go over to my aunt and uncle's house and, and uh, trick-or-treat in their neighborhood, and it, it started to pour, like just absolutely downpour. So we ended up going to the mall in town, because you could walk around the different stores would do trick-or-treat or whatever. So we run inside, and I start having a freak out, because I left my glove in the car. Now, mind oh. you, I'm holding a giant green lightsaber and i was convinced that nobody would know that i was luke skywalker specifically from return of the jedi because i did not have the glove on my hand oh man that is too much so you're gonna do it you gotta do it right you gotta do it right you gotta do it right but it is those it's those little things that like i feel like really you know help us it's those things that help us connect with the story uh and you know, for me now, it's really gone from things that help me connect with the story to things that help me connect with the fandom um, and, and the people that I'm close to. Um, like the stuff that I've bought myself, I I mean, I like, I enjoy. It's nice having on my shelves, but I would just buy it again if, you know, something were to happen to it, if Lindsay were to get revenge or whatever. <laughs> but to to like lose the the Ahsoka poster from Celebration that Michelle got me, or the Lothwolf that Lindsay got me, or the lightsaber that Caden got me, you know, all the, uh, so many amazing different things that I've gotten from people. The Ashley Eckstein signature from Adriana, like these yeah. things, you know, because you know it is that whole like the intention behind it. You know, it's the thought, not the the gift itself. I mean, it's partially the gift itself because it's got Ahsoka on it, but it's it's really just like the fact that you know people in this fandom, in this community, in this this real family that we've kind of formed here with Clashing Sabers, um, you know, cares enough to to think like, oh, you know, I'm gonna get, oh, I have an extra, I have an extra Rebels poster. Of course, I'm gonna send it to Brandon, you know, and hopefully, I can you know return that in kind, but that's kind of the the experience part of fandom that i appreciate now is kind of just the the give and take and the love and support and it it sounds like it sounds super cheesy but like that's the those are the kind of things that i collect are are more of those feelings that come with with the stuff now rather than like rushing out and getting you know the the mandalorian figure or, or or whatever it is just because i mean those are nice, but it, it's just not the same as something that has a lot of a lot of thought behind it, or even memory behind it. You know, like Lindsay, you were talking about that for, first uh, first uh, Force Friday that you went to. You know, you have I'm sure you have memories attached to those particular things that you know remind you oh, of that sure. experience. You know, or your first for celebration. Sure. And 
And that's why, you know, as much as I like all of my Pop Funko, Funko Pops, so much so that I don't know their real names, as much as I like <laughs> like them, I wouldn't be devastated if it was something, I've told the story a million times here, but something like when I went to college and my mom took the opportunity Ugh. to get rid of all of my Star Wars books. Why, mom? Yep. Why, yep. mom? Kept all the toys, didn't keep the books. Kept all the toys. Because, really? Yeah. She said something about like um, the paper in the books brought on like different kind of bugs. And it's like, mom, they are safely tucked away in boxes to the, like, they're not bothering anyone, but no, she, uh, <laughs> oh, hey, that, <laughs> we, oh, you know, we have, uh, we don't brought need up to some bad memories. <laughs> but if, if someone were to do that to the Funkos, I wouldn't necessarily be devastated, but things mm. like, you know, that, that I bought at force Friday too, when I have these awesome memories of waiting in line with my friends and meeting new people in the area, that I would be upset about. And I'm sure that a lot of people who put um, put those comments on Facebook or sent us stuff in Twitter, you know, if they collect the lightsabers or the Black Series helmets, I'm willing to bet that that all started because they have a great memory with the first time they played with one of those mm-hmm. lightsabers as a yeah, kid. Absolutely. You know, I... I love as even talking now, like I can fully admit that those collapsible lightsabers from 1999 absolutely sucked and they broke every single time I hit my brother too hard. And maybe I shouldn't have been hitting my brother that hard, but I was. He's got to learn somehow. (laughs) Maybe that was. (laughs) But but as much as looking back on it and seeing what we have now, of course, I can make that statement. But I have such incredible memories of having my Qui-Gon Jinn lightsaber that collapsed. I have the best memories from those. So, of course, I would want to collect things that reminded me of that now. And I think that that's kind of where the best collections lie and why people get so into this is because it starts with the one incredible moment they had with their parent or with their friends, whether they were nine or 29, but it just has this great feeling for them. Well, and I mean, you look at like, for example, people that do saber martial arts, you know, 99% of people who, who are into lightsabers are not into it because they were into martial arts first. There are some, but the majority of them were exactly what you're saying. Like, they were playing with lightsabers and having fights anyways, so they decided to, you know, l- just actually learn how to do it. Um, you know, you, even even like Steve Sansweet, for example, you know, he... I haven't been out to Rancho Obi-Wan yet, but from everything I've heard, like, he's got a story behind everything that he has, and he always <laughs> spends extra time on those things that were you know, one of a kind created, you know, by fans, especially for him, um, or fan creations that were maybe at celebration or things like that. It is the, it's, and, and that's kind of where it started from with those Kenner toys. You know, it was, it was the experience of being able to bring that movie home was something that never existed before. And now it's, you know, it's to the point where it's like the, the whole idea of, what a collector is and what we collect and why we collect, I feel like has shifted a lot. It's not so much about us telling the story as it is a, a part of our experiencing the fandom. So it's an interesting, interesting shift. So 
we're going to go ahead and wrap the show there because, I mean, we could talk about every single figure that we have and every single book and, and all the variants and things. There's so much that goes in um, to this. And we just wanted to kind of have, you know, a fun, uh, light episode uh, before we get into everything that we have coming down the road with uh, digging into Last Jedi for our uh, finale of our recap series, getting ready for Rise of Skywalker. We'll, of course, um, have some Rise of Skywalker discussion going into that and then all the coverage uh, <laughs> afterwards. I just, I I remember when we were, we got out of Less Jedi, I think it was Lindsay said like, guys, we're going to have so much to write about for so long over this movie. I can't even imagine what Rise of Skywalker is going to provide to us. So there's a lot of uh, awesome stuff coming uh, on the network. You, of course, can hit the subscribe button and get all four of our shows, including Starships, Stormborn the Sacred Text, Forever Star Wars, and the show you're listening to right now, Clashing Sabers. Hang out with us on the Clashing Sabers Star Wars community on Facebook or over on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. More stuff coming on those platforms soon. And this time I actually mean like actually really soon. Like things are happening, guys. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. All right, Drew, tell people where they can find you and find all your Star Wars and non-Star Wars shenanigans. Oh, that's a good po- question. Um, Twitter's probably the easiest place, at uh, the Drew Brett. Uh, pretty easy to find that way. Uh, I think the last thing I had on our website, on the ClashingSabers.net, is the first part of re- revisiting Luke. Um, kind of what we know about him at the end of Return of the Jedi and why or how that lines up with what we see in The Last Jedi. Um, the first part that's up there kind of sets the ground rules of some arguments we'll be trying to make in the in the in the next entry. And I'm kind of afraid, Brandon, I might need two entries after this. It might be a three parter. Um, I mean, trilogies you know, are a Star worse. Wars thing. I mean, you're not wrong about that. Um, but it, I wanna, we're going to be looking at the, how his character ended Return of the Jedi and how that influences decisions he makes, and we see him. Uh, go through in The Last Jedi and how he interacts with both Rey and Kylo Ren um, and their back and forths and, and why some of that makes sense, why some of it may not make sense and see and see how it lines up. But that's probably the best place to start there. And I guess the Twitter is probably the easiest thing, but it's not exclusively Star Wars. If you're not a fan of politics and other things, then, well, we'll chat on the Facebook group then. All right, and Lindsay, tell everybody where they can find you so they can be jealous of all the cool Star Wars things you get to do and we don't. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Lady of Lore or over in the Facebook group. Like Brandon said, I always try and do some cool Star Wars things, whether it is um, putting up some videos of Savvy's workshop. I actually do just have my friend finally sent me the footage of me walking into Batu for the first time. Whoa. So that's embarrassing. Um I did in the video, I'll admit this now, I was so wrapped up in the experience, I got run over by two people in wheelchairs. Um, <laughs> you can you can see all of it there. Oh, I can't wait. This oh, is fantastic. Yep. This is the yeah. kind of content you come to Clashing Sabers for. Yes! The best is the face that I give her afterwards is so... 100% me where it's like oops shouldn't have been doing <laughs> <laughs> were you, was yours are. the one 
Was yours the one? I think somebody had a video of them making lightsabers and turned it on and just squealed with joy. Was oh, that, that yours was as well? Me. That was that definitely was yeah. I was in a room oh, full of oh, it's so fun. eight to ten year olds, and I was the one squealing and giggling. Oh, yeah. just wait until all of us get together a celebration next August. It's going to be embarrassing. So many, so many giggles, so many squeals. <laughs> All I'm saying, Lindsay, is legally on the TSA website, you can bring lightsabers on a plane. Oh, and I did. I'm just. Oh, wow. And I did. Just yep. saying. Keep that in mind. That is kind of crazy if you think about it. Why it is. is that allowed? No, that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> you have to. I, I, well, I, a, anyway, I think you have to disassemble them. The politics of Drew's all right. Twitter. Yeah, let's, 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 all right, all right. Let it, let it At go. TSA, what are you doing? <laughs> I got to take my shoes off, but Lindsay can bring. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. All right. Well, if you do want to talk about that, come over to the Facebook group, come over to the Twitter, leave us ratings and reviews, all that cool stuff. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Batch 8. Hi ho. Look at us. Just right back in the groove of things. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.